Exodus 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that's in the heaven above, or that's on the earth below, or that's in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquities of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Here we go. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, your livestock, or the immigrant resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Now you can turn to Deuteronomy 5. We'll start at verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This should sound familiar. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Again, you, your son, your daughter, your male, your female servant, your ox or your donkey, they get a mention, or any of your livestock or the immigrant in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Friends, I get to, uh, I get to introduce you to or reintroduce you to a good friend of mine who is back in town today. Back in town, he and his family for a couple of weeks now. Uh, you may remember Harlan Redmond from uh, like the summer, kind of middle of the summer. You were here with us last time. Harlan is a native of New Orleans, which means the best kind of people. Uh, we met at a, at a prayer breakfast over uh, in the Paseo about a year and a half ago or so and immediately hit it off. To my sadness, found out also that you were only here for a couple more months and then you and your family were heading to Princeton Seminary. So Harlan has, for the last uh, decade or so, been uh, giving leadership to Harambe Ministries, which is in northwest Pasadena, and uh, concluded that long vocation of work and then has been called into seminary at Princeton. So they've been there for about a semester and you survived your first semester. Now, your family's here with us as well, wife and two kids, uh, your spouse, back in the back, uh, finishing up when at, with your PhD? June, okay. Uh, in clinical psychology? Research psychology. So you can continue to pray for both of them as they finish out their schooling. They've also got a 10-month-old and a 2-year-old, uh, so life's pretty chill for this family. Uh, I'm, when I heard that Harlan and his family would be back in town over a holiday and over the new year, I asked if he would come share with us a word of things that he's been uh, studying and learning in his own life around this idea of Sabbath. 
and uh, through a couple of phone calls, made it happen. And so I'm really, really glad that he's here with us today. Uh, Harlan, come on up and share with us a little bit. Um, At the end, you're going to preach for a little bit, and then you're going to invite me up, and we're going to have a little conversation about, uh, well, what all this might mean for us in our own lives and in the life of community. So can you please uh, welcome with me uh, Harlan? Thank you. Thank you. you. Thanks, man. Enjoy. FBC. I feel like I brought in a little bit of colder weather from uh, New Jersey, huh? I don't see the Hawaiian shirts and flip-flops this morning. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. It's it's a privilege to be back uh, in Pasadena. Uh, Pastor Jay, we talked about me coming and, and speaking on the Sabbath. And I said, I'm going to work all week on this sermon. And he said, well, you can't preach on the Sabbath if you don't take a Sabbath. So then I said, well, I'm not going to do, I'm going to just rest. So if I bombed this morning, it's all Pastor Jay's fault. <laughs> just to let you guys know. Um, like Pastor Jay said, it's a huge season of transition. My wife and I, uh, hopefully all of our studies will come to a conclusion here soon because we're at the end of our money, so to speak. Uh, thank, thank you, Fuller. Um, but it's been a blessing to be able to study a seminary. You know, I was raised a Southern Baptist uh, in the last few years. I've been Presbyterian. Uh, but you know what they say about a Southern Baptist preacher? Whenever he looks at his watch, it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Uh, but I know it's uh, some football games on the day, and your team, your team, your team may or may not be sitting at home watching it. Um, so I won't keep you too long. I know some of you decided to take your Sabbath today uh, because of football, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, let me open up with a just a brief word of prayer before we dive in uh, to the sermon. Uh, Father God, thank you for the opportunity to grow, to learn, to commune and fellowship with others, Father God. These are the people that you've assembled to do life together, to be the embodiment of your word, to be your hands and feet in this city, this nation. And we pray that we commit ourselves to doing just that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as Pastor Jay pointed out, in the book of Exodus, uh, I'm going to start at chapter 20, verse 2. It reads, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery, you should have no other gods before me. This passage of scripture is important to know because it is an address of remembrance that the children of Israel would understand. You see, before they were set free from 400 years of captivity, there was no such thing as serving one God. During that time, people served multiple gods, and so God addresses them by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, reminding them that I am the Most High God who did only what a God 
that is higher than all other gods can do. Yes, I am that God. I am the God who heard your cries and remembered my promise to your ancestor, Abraham. I am the most high God who keeps his promises and delivers. This is a salvation story right here in the Old Testament. God reaches out and initiates relationship with the descendants of Abraham. It even says as a reminder through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15 that remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arms. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Can you see the symbolism in this passage? A mighty hand and outstretched arm. Again, the most high God is initiating the reconciliation process of bringing the children of Israel, even us, back to him. And because God desires for this reconciling relationship to work, God gives us these guidelines uh, commandments to ensure that it is done right. Now, many of us who are married, all my married folks, raise your hand. Voluntary, involuntary. We wish we had an outline of how to make our marriage go smooth at all times, but we do not. You know, you share your vows at the altar. Uh, you commit yourself to keeping those vows. Uh, but vows do not include what not to do. <laughs> now, some of you, if you could have scripted it, knowing what you know now, you may be five years in and you would have said, you know, I could have put in those vows uh, not to leave the toilet seat up <laughs> or to wash the dishes or don't put your clothes on that chair. They're stacking up, right? I know I'm the only one to have those problems, right? But what I am saying is that God lays out in the Ten Commandments exactly how he wants to build relationship and exactly how we ought to be with one another. If you notice, the first few commandments are between you and God and the rest have to do with your relationship with others. Thus saying, if you are committed to right relationship with God, the people around you will benefit from it. Invested in your relationship with God will prevent you from going around hurting other people. Instead of hurting people, you'll go around exuding the presence of God because you have been seeking him diligently. Now, some people believe that, uh, uh, you know, all I have to do is be right with God and, and that has nothing to do with anybody else. Uh, I don't have to come to church. I don't have to do communion with others. I don't have to serve the least of these. I just have to make sure that I'm right with God. And I'm here to say that is incorrect. If you are spending time with God, God will always point you in the direction of others. All throughout the Old Testament, whenever God would have a problem with a king, and having a problem with a king always meant he had a problem with the people too, he would send a prophet, whether it was Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, or Samuel, name one, 
And in sending the prophet, the Lord's judgment would almost always read like this. You have turned away from God. You have worshipped false idols. And you have neglected the poor. Thus saying that if your eyes are fixed on God and you are growing spiritually, then even the poor around you are going to benefit from it. Your relationship with God impacts others. And so God sets up a rubric for this right relationship. And at the anchor of it all is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a time of rest, but it's also a time of relationship. Relationship building with God. And there will come a time when others will know that you've been spending time with God because it'll show. I'm reminded of, uh, you know, this being the beginning of the year, a lot of people are recommitting themselves to a gym relationship. The gym is packed around this time of the year. But the interesting thing is, if you commit yourself and you stick to it, You don't have to tell people you've been hitting the gym. People will start to see it. You know, Ted gave me a compliment this morning. I was losing weight. I haven't been hitting the gym that hard, Ted, but thanks for being generous. But if you stick to that relationship and hitting the gym, I'm using that as as a metaphor here. You also inspire others. I said, man, he can do all those sit-ups. Maybe I need to start just going for a walk today. We've all experienced that couple who've been together so long. And they've committed to each other, invest in each other. They take their date days seriously. And after a while, they begin to look like each other. The extras come to mind. You know, it's not just the, <laughs> it's not just the glasses. Right? They've been, they've been putting in the work. They can finish each other's sentences and, and read each other's mind. That is the exact relationship that God desires from us. But we have to see just how important it is to make Sabbath a time for God. It's a time not only for self-renewal, but for God to be renewed within us. I should have got an amen right there. Amen. <laughs> you know what they say, if you don't hear enough amens, I just keep going until I get one. So I know some of you got to get to this football game. I'm trying to be. Amen. <laughs> I know I can count on Ted for that one. Further on in the book of Exodus, Moses began to pitch a tent. It's called the tent of meeting. And the tent is pitched outside the camp. And all who are seeking the face of God have the opportunity to go inside the tent and experience the presence of God. And there's something unique about this because when it talks about Moses going in the tent and, and, and being able to be with God, they say face to face like a, a, a like you would be with your own friend. It says his young assistant Joshua, uh, uh, from the, the, the son of Nun, Uh, Young assistant Joshua goes into the tent and remains. 
Now, the people also had the opportunity to go inside the tent of meeting as well. But because of their own trepidation, they decide to uh, uh, just say that, you know, me stepping outside of my own tent is good enough. And I thought that was interesting in what the scriptures is trying to communicate here. We know further books down the road, when we get to Joshua, Moses, you have the death of Moses in Deuteronomy. When you get to Joshua, there's the call narrative and Joshua being called. And, and Joshua ends up being the one who leads the people into the promised land. There's a direct connection here of Joshua seeking God's face, being willing to set aside the time to be in the presence of God, to become one with God, to where God can use Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. There's a direct connection of you taking the time to invest in your relationship with God and how everyone around you begins to benefit from it uh, uh, as a result. This is the commitment we ought to make. Uh, and going deeper with one another and going deeper and taking seriously the things of God because other people outside of this church and even inside of this church are waiting or depending on FBC going deeper, FBC taking things seriously. There's a world out there who is in desperate need of being able to experience the presence of God that you take time to be in the presence of daily. Now, in my experience in being in a Presbyterian church, I'm sort of the, the king of short sermons. But just to remind you, if you got to understand that to be delivered from out of bondage, and everyone in here has a testimony, everyone in here has a story, During a Sabbath is when we are reminded, we take that time to reflect, to reconnect with God and to remember how he has delivered us. And it's in that reflection that we grow deeper. It's in that time spent with God that we begin to uh, form uh, our spiritual direction and the purposes that God has for our lives and the direction that he wants us to go. We all should have a desire to be there. And the beauty of it all is that we have each other to do so. Some of the things that I think God is calling me to makes me so nervous and fills me with anxiety. But when I see God's people surrounding me, surrounding one another, things become, the burden becomes a lot lighter. I remember a few years back when... uh, There was some violence in Northwest Pasadena, some shooting incidents. And my pastor said, uh, you know, let's let's go and pray for the neighborhood. So we're going to do some prayer walks. Right. And I'm one of those people. I I kind of witness through testimony. You're not necessarily going to see me on a street corner with a bullhorn or anything like that. And kudos to if that's your thing. But what I am as a team player, and so I was reluctant to want to go out and be vulnerable, right? But I said, I can't let you go by yourself. So I get out there, and we're stopping at the corner, the intersection of Fair Oaks and Washington, and so on and so forth. 
And to my surprise, no one turned down prayer. And I mean, we cross into King's Village and there's some suspicious looking folks. And I just looked over to them and I said, uh, praying for you guys. And they scatter like roaches. <laughs> and I said, that's community policing. <laughs> Pasadena owe me one for that one. <laughs> we have this opportunity. This is 2019 to grow deeper to take serious the things of God, to reserve the Sabbath, not only for ourselves, but so others benefit from it. And God is there like he's always been with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm saying, come, come to me. I desire to be in relationship with you. I have work for you to do. Um, I'm going to call Pastor John Jay up here. We're going to do some reflecting and application and uh, next steps, I guess. And thank you for bringing the podium up. It, you know, it's like a bulletproof vest. It, it, it makes you feel a lot less vulnerable. This uh, is clear. You're up here. It's clear. Okay. Well, you can. Some organs are protected. You can. <laughs> you can see through it. You want a chair? Or you want to stand? We can sit. We can sit. Right here? I'm going to grab you a chair. Okay, I thought we sat last time. We did, but we sat... Yeah, we did. Is there a different configuration or something I'm missing out on up here? I don't know. You got to change it up. Every time, every Sunday, it's a little bit different. Give Pastor John Jay a hand, you guys. I'm telling you. You guys have a wonderful pastor. So generous and loving. And I'm hoping that it's because he's from New Orleans, too. Yeah. Um, That's what they teach us there when we were growing up, right? Southern boys, we got to represent. That one's for you. Out of here on the West Coast. So we talked about two things, Harlan, together over the last few weeks as we were thinking about this Sunday. Individualism and optionalism. Yes. And I heard a lot of that this morning. One of the things I'm struck by in both Exodus and in Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. is that these... this idea of Sabbath is, oh my goodness. Reverend Ted, Reverend Ted. <laughs> no, please Just, keep it there. Yes. Please keep it there. This, this idea of Sabbath is not a suggestion, but is a commandment, right? Like, so the Ten Commandments have all these imperative verbs. And at least in my life, when somebody gives me an imperative sentence, it's not as optional. Right. So. Right. Well, I, th- I think if we were to ask folks in here, and we asked this on Thursday, when was the last time you like killed somebody? <laughs> wouldn't get a lot of hands raised. Right, right. Maybe. Because that doesn't feel optional. Like that commandment feels like we're gonna we're gonna watch out for that one. Um, but there's something about the Sabbath that feels like it's kind of past its time. Mm. It hasn't stayed quite as fresh for us. Would you maybe just a little bit reflect on? Why that might be, whether it's in your own life, because I'll say for myself, like I violate the Sabbath. I, it, one of the areas of my own life that I think about, oh, I probably need to do some heavy confessing here, mm. is around this commandment. Um, so why do you think that's the way that we think about this? 
That's a good question. You know, I, I think about my childhood. My mother uh, was very um, committed to serving the church and, and you know, a uh, single parent raising four kids. And she sort of ran her home like a ministry, too. You know, and I remember getting up in the morning and uh, I would go to her room and she'd say, hey, son, good morning. And uh, I would say, hey, mine. She said, uh, did you thank the Lord for waking you up this morning? And I would say, no, I didn't do that. She was like, well, go back to your room. And after you've done that, then you can come and talk to me. And I think that for some reason, we get past a point where we think that God isn't present. Right? And like my mom is not there to tell me every morning to go back to my room and, 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 and do the due diligence. Uh, after a while, things become optional uh, to us. But there's something about doing the things that you don't want to do that begins to grow you in this maturity and this discipline of taking things more seriously. And and we we live in a society where, uh, and I I don't even know if optionalism is a real word. It's just something that I like to say. I didn't learn it in seminary or anything like that, but I'm going to take it back to it. Uh, But it it wears on that aspect of, of being committed and serious about uh, those commandments, these things that aren't optional that God has called us to do. When was the last time you sinned with the Sabbath? Oh, you know, there was a time. Oh, thanks, John. Or what does the Sabbath mean for you? We could ask it in the positive. No, I'll direction. answer the first one. There was a time I said, God, I'm, I actually feel like I'm closer to loving my enemies than keeping the Sabbath. Uh huh. And some of you'd be like, No, I, I'm not there yet. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It was really, I was inspired by your story of, of however long you've been doing it. But I was like, man, if John can do it, see, it's just like going to the gym, right? John looking all healthy up here, keeping the Sabbath. I'm like, I need to start. That's just the one Sabbath. salad a week. One salad? Okay. We're going to have to raise that to three. We're going to raise that to three salads. So being in school, so I, I actually, and we'll talk about this next week in the sermon, uh, really in seminaries when my family... Corey and I really started taking seriously the idea of Sabbath. Up until that point, we had been decently privileged to uh, have seasons of rest between undergrad, when undergrad is just like four years of Sabbath, and <laughs> and kind of those early years of marriage and kind of that different sort of slow pace. Um, but seminary really cranked it up for us in a really intense way. And so we sort of made some promises to each other around Sabbath. Has that been, I know that you and your whole family all were working your tails off mm. when you were here in Pasadena. Like when I first met you, you could, I could kind of feel the exhaustion right. emanating off. And a lot of those early conversations were around you being really excited about a shift in pace and energy. Has being in school offered you that, kind of being in the world in a different speed, uh, or has that pace actually been deeper inside of you and harder to break. Does that question make sense? I think environment plays a huge part uh, in, in our transition to, to Princeton. Uh, it's, a, it's an old town and things are a lot slower. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not gelling with the fact it doesn't have a good Chinese restaurant, but uh, slowly getting over that. But uh, it's, it's, so I've, I've had way more time than I could even imagine to spend with my family, my wife, and, and just playing with the boys. Uh, my 10-month-old, you get to see Dietrich. He's uh, 
He's a lot heavier uh, than my oldest boy. So my oldest boy, he's kind of the vegetarian in the family. And and uh, Dietrich is me. <laughs> and so one of the things I do, I get out, come home from school, and I just love to sit on the couch with him. And uh, some of you know babies have like this inner thigh fat. It's really like a stress ball. If you Anybody got any infant kids? It's really a stress ball. You probably didn't notice. So, you know, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, and <laughs> For you who? sit there and just pinch on that fat and all your, you know, oh, it's a stress the, ball burdens, for you. the burdens of your heart just roll away, you know. Don't do that with other people's kids. No, though. no, no. I mean, ask for permission. Uh, that'd be strange. Uh, but with your own kids, that, that, that baby fat is just, it was meant to, for adults to be like, you know what? You've been crying and pooping all day. I'm just going to relax uh, with this stress ball thing. So uh, prison has really, really added to our lives in that way. Uh, and, and to sometimes, you know, California um, and sometimes church culture, uh, the, the individualism that we have in our society, people actually applaud burnout. Right, I come up to you and I say, oh, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. People are like, isn't that uniquely American? I mean, he's so great. And it's like, uh, I'm about to pass out. Patriotic even. Right, right. And uh, burnout. But we miss that opportunity to, you know, cliche, stop and smell the roses, but also uh-huh. to stop and see other people as they matter. Uh, matter to God and matter to us. And so that's been a blessing. I love the way down. you said that about your, your children. Mm-hmm. There is a... Uh, so Sabbath feels very unnatural for me. And let's just show hands. Who in here, Sabbath feels like a very strange like pace in life? Just let's be so brave. Or, or one that you couldn't imagine actually like holding on to. Uh, when I first started trying to practice this, there's this thing called Sunday neurosis that kind of could also be called Sabbath neurosis. And they found that... Uh, there were folks who were going into kind of like short-term bursts of depression on Sundays when all the businesses would close down and everybody had to slow down because people were used to going so fast. And they were exhibiting these like physical symptoms of being ill from having to stop. And hearing that there's something about your children that reminds you that life doesn't have to be at this pace. Mm-hmm. It reminds me that being this busy is actually not the way we were built. Right. So... Exodus and Deuteronomy give us two different understandings of why we keep Sabbath. One is creation and one is what you call deliverance and liberation. Uh, we were created in such a way that our most natural, God-given, like that we might say in the New Testament way, being in the kingdom of heaven is to honor this kind of pace in the world, of, of not always hustling and, and burning right. out. Uh, But we all just, a ton of us in here just raised our hands to say our natural way of being is in a hurry. And Sabbath is very foreign to us. I don't all the way know how we got to this point where what is most natural, what is most human, is the thing we've been unable to hold on to. That that sort of primal blessing of God. For instance, they've even like done studies to show that, uh, like in zoos, they have to put animals away one day in seven because they just need a rest from even being out and on. There is this natural mm. rhythm built into the world that says mm. we don't have to live at this pace all the time. Uh, which means that 
the other answer for Sabbath is this liberation. There's got to be something that has us. We call it sin. We call it, uh, we call it the evil one. We call it all kind of things, our broken condition, our death patterns and death sprawls that keep us in an unnatural state. They keep us broken and breaking all the time. So let me, I'm just going to ask this question. And I'm curious, in your own time, both in Northwest Pasadena and now in school, where is Pharaoh now? What is that force that is holding us? Why did we all just raise our hands when I asked the question about Sabbath being difficult and unnatural? Hmm. I, I guess it's... And this is one of the benefits of Sabbath as you take that time to reflect and to evaluate, God, where am I not fulfilling or being who you want me to be um, in relationships and just in, in, in society in general? Without that, what other metric do you have to gauge whether or not you're out of sync? Mm-hmm. Right now, we know... From the analogy that I use of hitting a gym, we can tell who's not hitting the gym. You get what I'm saying? But sometimes because of the, the culture of church, you can kind of mm-hmm. fake it till you make it, as that, that the saying goes. Uh, but then you can only do that for so long because there comes a time where you're really going to need to know God. Right? Because life happens, right? Tragedy strikes all sort of things, and 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 that's that. Uh, seeing the Sabbath as this preemptive measure to 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 brace for impact. So God prepare me for this journey. Uh, without it, you're just taking all of the blows that life throws at you, and it can be uh, devastating for mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you talked about was relationship. This kind of marriage metaphor, God covenants with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, maybe it's not as good to ask you. Maybe it would be better to ask your wife how you've been doing with Sabbath. I know that's true for me. And, and actually the staff at our, here at the church have gotten really good at calling me on this. Like when I'm supposed to, when I've said to them, like, I'm going to be off for today. I need to take a rest. And then I'll text one of them and ask a qu- question. And they will often not answer the question. They'll just tell me to go back to Sabbath. <laughs> Uh, you got an auto reply for John on that day? Like, uh, go back to Sabbath. It does make me, it does remind me though that because we often think that everything about following Jesus is individual pursuit, uh, Sabbath is always the gift to the community. Hmm. And it takes a community to practice it well. So what would you say to us as a bit of a challenge about how we can support one another in something that feels so unnatural? You got to have that accountability, but I think it first starts with being able to confess that, you know, I'm just not on this like I should. And other people feel in that responsibility to, to, to team up to say, okay, I'll be that person to make sure you're taking that time out for God, for yourself. Uh, and you want that for one another, uh, so that we are a, a pillar for each other. Um, and so is that my son back there? He's just saying amen. He's telling me to take a Sabbath, Dad. Take a Sabbath. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been called to grow as a, as a body of Christ together. And those, those difficult things, things that we don't want to do that absolutely need to be done in order for us 
to reach a level of maturity uh, in our faith. I always think about, you know, young people. Uh, nobody uh, raises kids to say, uh, you know, getting up and going to school is optional today. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we know kids could blow that all out of proportion uh, and, and really start to think that they're in control. I think we do the same thing to God. Yeah. Uh, not knowing that we're not even old enough to work, pay bills, so on and so forth. So a kid to go rogue like that, he'll be right back. <laughs> I said, I'm hungry. I didn't have anybody to eat. And it's the same with our relationship with God. It's like we, yeah, we have to stay connected to the source. I do think a lot about um, that home economy that a lot of us live in. Uh, whether we're single or married or we've got children or maybe we've got parents that live with us again and it really changes our relationship with time and busyness and those obligations they feel non-negotiable um but to live into a sabbath rhythm and a sabbath practice it means a negotiation with those members of that home economy Mm -hmm. to work it out i remember how old was judah and ruthie when you were given the advice like 30 minutes a day where you're not having to produce provide perform but that you corey just get to be and that felt impossible i remember you being like that's impossible i can't do that and the only way it was possible is if i took seriously that sort of self commandment that was being given to corey which is like you've got to be able to stop sometimes and Mm -hmm. I do think it is, you know, as I'm thinking about what you could challenge us about, for me to challenge all of us too, is uh, to look around your life at the people who have been burning at both ends for a really long time. And to take seriously that Sabbath as a commandment isn't just a commandment for you to keep and then to judge someone who else is not, but that you might be the one who helps them to keep Sabbath. Like that Deuteronomy says, and Exodus, that not just you, but everyone in your home economy, mm. even your animals, need to rest. Uh, that's what the staff is doing for me whenever they push back against me if I'm overworking. It's like you, like this staff is an economy, this sort of partnership agreement. And if we're going to say that this matters, then we have to actually do it. And, and part of doing it means sometimes Pastor Lindsay is heavy on the speed and then sometimes I am and we've all are kind of, we know one another. We are aware of what each other's calendars look like and we can see when the edges start to fray. Mm. You've got to have some, that's the relationship, right? You've got to have somebody in your life who can see you and who knows because you said earlier there often we walk around pretending. Yes. Um, okay, let me ask this last question and then we're going to, and you can, you can ask me one too if you want. Um, <laughs> Sabbath feels like a privileged conversation mm-hmm. where there are some folks who just maybe have one job, right? Like I have one job and career and I only have one group of people I have to negotiate with if I need to take a day or two or a week or two off. But there are folks, the working poor, for instance, who maybe have three, four jobs plus, maybe both parents are working all the time or it's a single parent household. And this idea of Sabbath is not just a it's not just unreasonable, it's like a pipe dream. Mm. Uh, and if they don't keep going, people don't eat. Right. Like rent doesn't get paid. So what does it mean for communities in that kind of pressure to think about something like Sabbath? What would you say in that world? You know, what I would say is like, if, if, if you know an individual like that, uh, then that's, that means you should do something to help aid them in being able to do that. For example... My next door neighbor, where we stay at in Princeton, 
uh, to a, a couple that's probably 10 years younger than younger than us. I'm 37, so they're like 27, 28, uh, and they have three kids. And whenever you see somebody with more kids than you, you kind of have compassion, right? Because <laughs> you know the struggle is real, you know. And oftentimes when I, you know, we live on the third floor, so I always do my rounds. I, we have this nice stroller that I use as to haul trash sometimes when kids aren't in it. Uh, and, but I would just grab people's trash on the way to the, you know, to the dumpster and, and my wife would watch their kids and stuff like that. But, but all of that is out of understanding that this family, as hard charging as they're going to try to manage you know, out of three kids, two of the kids are special needs. You know, to manage all of that, they need the support. They need the help uh, to implement a Sabbath, a time for themselves, so on and so forth. And so that's what the community is for. We're all at different levels, different spiritual growths, uh, maturity in our lives. But being conscious, so the Sabbath actually helps you to slow down and see those individuals that you wouldn't normally be able to pay attention to in the daily hustle and bustle. Mm-hmm. And so for that person who say, like, it's a privilege that I can take such and such time off, uh, after a while, you seeking God's face is going to say, okay, there's somebody else who needs some time too. Mm-hmm. How do you turn in that direction uh, to help other people experience that? And, and, and trust me, I mean, I, I've never seen nobody... Uh, I was talking to a couple. They said there was a part of this church for, for 10 years. Nobody ever asked to watch their kids. And they got a litter. They got a litter of kids. They said nobody ever asked to watch their kids. I was like, that's really unfortunate, you know. Uh, I'd have been sitting one by everybody's house. You know, we grew up down south. <laughs> uh, but it's to be conscious of that. And, and, and also the Sabbath, too, I think. And I was... I was humbled by this, that I got to a place in life, I had this encounter that made me realize that I never took the time to thank God for certain things. And it can be, you know, God, you saved my life when I was in Iraq, you did this for my marriage, or whatever the case. I never just took the time. We kind of just take blessings and keep rolling with it as if that's God's sole purpose for us. But we see in the scripture, God wanting a relationship and, and people bucking against that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I was convicted by that. It's like, God, I, I could spend a lifetime thanking you for one thing that you did, let alone all the others. And so how do we get in that space? And I guarantee you, you begin to change with that amount of reflection and gratitude and other people most definitely will be able to see it yeah. uh, in you. I, um, there's like an immense practicality to the watch somebody else's kid kind of challenge. <laughs> I know sometimes we think about these big ideas and, and we can toss them aside because they feel impractical. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. what the next thing is to do, but to think and look around and say who, I mean to know one another well enough to even be able to identify who in here is about to hit bottoms, about right. to burn out. And then something as simple as like, when was the last time you got to go out without your children? Or when was the last time you got to be without the parents you've been taking care of for a decade now? Mm. Um, 
I am reminded too, Sabbath is not just simply like cessation from all activity, mm-hmm. uh, right? The world is very, we're all very busy. In fact, there's like a whole industry that's grown up around keeping us, like getting us to rest. Uh, spa, and, and LA is very good at giving us like lots of very expensive Sabbath options, like spas or float, float tanks. You remember that from last week? Um, what we are talking about is something different. It's something, uh, it is regenerating, but it is also a positive kind of activity, moving closer into the presence of God and into the presence of one another. Uh, and for good reason, Christians have moved the idea and the values of Sabbath into our Sunday morning practices. And I was talking with somebody this morning about uh, why there was this kind of calm that was washed over them. And I'm thinking, are we not living in the same space, in the same world, with the same demands and busyness? And he's got a, a kid my kid's age. And uh, one of the things that he said was, and I'm here. And when I'm here, there's something grounding about that experience. And I do want us to, to take seriously what it means to have set this time aside, um, to have said that slowing our pace, I mean, like, it's crazy that all of these folks, us included, have, are not on our phones answering emails, writing lists, uh, studying for whatever the next, like, it's amazing that we would give this much time aside mm-hmm. to pursue God and one another. Mm-hmm. And just your very being here is already a small miracle. And you will choose to do it time after time because there is something you believe might make you whole or put you back together about this practice. And the language that we can pick up over and over again, I think, is the language of Sabbath. Uh, Jesus doesn't abolish the Sabbath, but says, I'm, I'm Lord of it. And somehow the good news encompasses this big idea of rest. Um, okay. Well, can I pray for us yes, and sir. for you, uh, especially as you head back to school and as your family, I mean, with two young kids, uh, that you would be able to hold one another accountable, as Harlan said, for rest and for, uh, <laughs> for deep reflection of the gifts of your life in, in the stress balls of yeah. your own children's inner thighs. Yeah, and pray, pray my kids sleep on the flight back. Uh, I almost needed a Sabbath from that. Right? Young parents, it's like Sabbath is just that every two hours and the kid sleeps for 10 more minutes. And then you're up again. Church, let's pray together. God, you... You are both full of energy and creation and excitement and you are also full of of rest and repose and calm. And the seas that crash are still under your control and the still waters that calm are also yours. We ask that you would lead us to the calmer waters right now. And we for sure know that we live in this city in this country, with these values, and it does not often feel like heaven. But we want to be really good at this. We want to get gold stars, and so we keep playing the game, we keep running on the treadmill, and we'll just, we're just really tired. You know this, God, and we can feel it when we're honest, that we're really tired. And we look around and see that others are tired too. 
Help us to not see one another's exhaustion as a competition. That we have to beat somebody else to rest. But we might hold one another on the way to those still waters. Give us friends and family who can name the parts of us that are exhausted. Help us to be gentle with ourselves. Not give us one more thing to feel ashamed about, but instead one more thing we might hope in. Thank you for Harlan, for his family, for the ministry he carries with him wherever he is. Thank you for this congregation, for all the ways that they surprise themselves and one another in their following after you. You have given us the blessing of belonging, both to you and to this family of faith. In whatever way you make spaces sacred, make these pews, these walls, these doors, a sacred space where we could find a little bit of refuge from the insanity. Still the waters that are inside of us that are troubled too. Pray especially for mothers and for women who often don't get to think about time off or time in a different mode of being. And also for the poor. In all of this, we are grateful, God, and especially grateful for Christ, who keeps Sabbath unlike any of us, even unto the grave, and shows us what new life looks like on the other side. So raise us in body, heart, and mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.